Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, guys? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. As always, I'm Justin Michael, and I am your host. Today, we've got a cool guest, Sean Paul, college basketball extraordinaire. Works for a variety of sites, makingthemadness.com, Mountain Westwire. Really, really excited to get his perspective on everything that's been happening, CSU and all of that. Before we do, though, you know, sure, you're probably hearing how great the mortgage rates are right now. Mike and Virginia Chevalier, they are not just your typical mortgage company. They've got phenomenal rates, but what really makes them different is that Mike is a certified financial planner. He looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and try to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, though, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Or you can give Mike a call directly at 970-412-2472, 970-412-2472, or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Cool, cool, cool. Sean, how's it going, man? Thanks for doing this. Uh, my first time, obviously, interacting with you, but I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to come talk Mountain West with me. Yeah, going great. You know, everybody loves the Mountain West, so definitely appreciate you for inviting me. Uh, you know, Mountain West is looking pretty good next season. That's the thing, man. Like, I've, I'm just kind of looking back at some of these past seasons. This is the the highest I think I've been on the Mountain West top to bottom and shoot, I don't know, probably like close to a decade you know, who are, who are some of the teams that you're most excited about just kind of going in? I mean, obviously, Nevada and Colorado State, those are the pretty clear top two teams, in my opinion, because Nevada, you return Grant Sherfield. He's probably going to be preseason player of the year in the conference. He could have won it last year, but I guess, you know, because San Diego State was the best team, Matt Mitchell got it. I would have given it Derek Olson Jr. or uh, Grant Sherfield, but, you know, whatever works. And then, yeah, you know, you look at Colorado State, you return pretty much everybody. P.J. Bird's the only player that transferred, and you return everybody else. You get David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens back, who in this day and age, they could have transferred anywhere they wanted to. But, you know, Nico Medved built a culture, and they stayed committed to it, and they're definitely going to be a tournament-level team next season. And then UNLV, I'm pretty excited to see just because of all the roster turnover. I think Kevin Kruger's done an incredible job this offseason, adding some pretty key pieces, a lot of high major transfers like Royce Ham, Donovan Williams, uh, Victor Iwakor. Then you had David Mwaka, one of the best rim protectors in the country, Justin Webster at the guard spot. They just have so much, so many pieces. I'm just curious to see how it goes together because that's an entirely new roster. Yeah, I'm obviously going to ask you, you know, plenty about CSU, Roddy Stevens as a whole. And, and I agree. I think the fact that they were able to keep, you know, basically the entire roster intact is just going to be a massive advantage for them going into next season. But I'm glad you brought up UNLV and, and their roster, because when I look at UNLV and, and New Mexico and some of these teams that just have significant roster turnover, I mean, I think both programs have done a really great job of adding high value talent, especially with first year coaches. 
Do you have any concerns about continuity and these guys being able to put it together quickly? No, not really. I mean, if it was last year, I would say yes, but because of all the COVID different yeah. stuff last year, I think this year is going to be a lot more normal. I mean, players are going to start reporting next month like usual. So, you know, I think everything's going to be fine like that. But, you know, I I don't think, like, in terms of New Mexico, that's a good call. I forgot to bring them up. That team, if we're being honest, was pretty terrible last year. So it's hard to get worse. So I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it, it was honestly a little hard to watch. As, you know, I grew up following oh, Mountain yeah. West. I don't know how long, you know, you've been watching Mountain West basketball. But, you know, I've been yeah, following CSU time, my yeah. whole life. So, like, New Mexico, you know, like, that was the brand. And just to see how far they had fallen, it was it was tough. And it was also tough because I kind of liked the Paul Weir hire. Like, going in, I'd heard great things about him. From all accounts, I've heard he's a good dude. But, man, that was a dumpster fire. Yeah, seems like a very nice guy. And same as I've heard, I've heard he's a very nice guy. But, uh, yeah, it just, it just wasn't working out. I mean, you look at – I think the real sign of disaster was two seasons ago with the uh, – Carlton Bragg and Jaquan Lyle fiasco where they got suspended like three different occasions. Totally. <laughs> I think, I think that's where you notice that, you know, it was kind of the end of the Paul Weir era and things were changing in New Mexico because he was just taking chances on guys that were talented, but you know, that's not always the way to go because you can have all the talent in the world, but you have to be committed to basketball and you know, you have to have those kind of guys. And I don't think he did. And last year, the team was just terrible. I mean, I, I didn't have any problems like they did two years ago. The team just wasn't good. I mean, McQuash Malawatch was the only good player on the team. Like, they had one legitimately good score, and that was it. I will say, like, the New Mexico players, they obviously deserve a ton of credit just given the, the unique circumstances yeah. that they had to battle through last season. But, yeah, that was, that was a rough team. Um, but I think, it's, I think it's good for the league when teams like New Mexico and UNLV are more relevant. And, and it sounds like you're a fan of the Patino and Kruger hires both. I, well, I, I probably seemed critical at first about the Patino hire because I wanted Tim Miles to get the job. So did I. I think, it it I seems like it made so much sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Patino's a bad coach by any stretch. Does he get a job this fast? If he has a different last name, probably not, but you know, I think he's definitely already had a very good start. I mean, he's added a lot of good pieces. I like the guards they've added, Jalen House, Jamal Mashburn Jr., KJ Jenkins. Those are three really good guards. And he's already addressing an issue, which was their biggest issue last year. They couldn't shoot the ball from three at all. I mean, they could sit there shooting three for hours, and they were going to brick them forever. So they finally got guys that are able to shoot the ball from outside. That's going to be the biggest difference maker this year. I think, you know, he added a lot of guys who were going to be sophomores, juniors next year. So there's a lot of growing room. They, I think they'll be middle of the pack in the conference next year. I don't think they'll be a tournament team by any means, but two seasons from now, can they compete for a tournament bid? Potentially, yeah. What about UNLV? Because Kruger, I think, is a solid hire just from the sense of they might finally be able to get some continuity in there because that it's just been a revolving door for players over the last half decade or so. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if Chris Beard doesn't leave after like 12 days, I think UNLV <laughs> looks a lot different right now. But, uh, you know, the Marvin Menzies stuff, uh, that didn't go well. And then TJ Osterberger gets the job at Iowa State, which I don't think was for the worst, I think, for both sides. 
just moving on was kind of the right thing because it didn't seem like that was going to work long-term either, just the way it seemed. But you lose a lot of last year's roster, and I think that pretty much all of last year's roster, uh, I think there's only one returning. I think Nick Blake is the last player on the roster. But I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily because you have, you have two guys in Bryce Hamilton and David Jenkins Jr. who are both immensely talented players, but they're both kind of guys who want the ball in their hands a lot and to shoot the ball a lot. And having multiple guys like that, I don't think really works for a winning team. So I think Kevin Kruger is going to be able to establish a culture. Brought in Carlin Hartman, who was an assistant on his dad's staff at Oklahoma. I think he's going to do an incredible job recruiting because he's a recruiting mastermind. I think that UNLV is going to, you know, potentially contend for a bubble spot. I think they're probably an NIT level team. But if things go together and they can mesh early on, I wouldn't. They have the talent to make the NCAA tournament as like first four team. Interesting, man. I'm I'm intrigued to see if they can put it all together. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, the talent's there. I think, but you you have to see how some of these guys because they have guys from all kinds of different places. I mean, David Muwaka, the rim protector, he's from Lamar. And then yeah. you have, you know, you have Justin Webster from Hawaii. You have guys from Texas and Oklahoma, just everywhere across the country. It's it's a lot of moving pieces, but I'm, I'm I don't know, Kruger, you know, the son of a legendary UNLV coach and Lon Kruger, obviously. I I just like the vibes there. Like, I, I want to see UNLV be relevant, relevant again, because I mm-hmm. think that that would be good for the Mountain West, just as much as New Mexico. But I mean, you have all the resources available to you with, all the NBA ties and the G league and USA basketball. And I don't know, it just seems like Vegas shouldn't be a hard place to recruit good players. No, I agree. And obviously I think UNLV, I don't know if they're the biggest brand name. I would say probably they are the biggest brand name in the mountain West, at least to, you know, guys that are like, yeah, like in their thirties or forties. Cause they grew up seeing that 1990s UNLV teams with Larry Johnson and all that. So they were able to see that. And I think a lot of people still see UNLV as a team that, you know, why aren't they in the tournament every season? That's a good point because, like you said, Vegas should be a place where you're able to recruit guys and have winning teams. And it hasn't been for a lack of talent. Like, they've had talent in recent years. They just haven't been able to win enough. That's true, yeah. I mean, they've had guys come through that have gone on to be successful in P5 programs like Oregon and elsewhere. So it'll be interesting. Um, I'm glad that you brought up the, the interesting dynamic with uh, Hamilton and Jenkins, both of them being really ball dominant guys, both guys, you know, really have to kind of create their own shot. One of the things that I like about CSU is as good as Roddy and Stevens are, and again, they're not the same type of scores that those two are. They, they play within the flow of the team. You know, that I think that's probably CSU's greatest strength along with the fact that they've just been able to play together over these last couple of seasons is just, they have talented guys, but they have guys that are willing to make that extra pass. And that's why I'm kind of really intrigued about this team going in and, and think they could potentially be a top 25 type program. Yeah, I think I have them like 18th right now. And after, I think I revised my top 25 like last week. So I'll get to it again in a few more weeks. But yeah, I mean, great point there because you look at that huge comeback against San Diego State, who hits the game winning four point play, John Tanjay who was probably what, their fourth or fifth leading scorer last year. So that's, you know, pretty incredible that it wasn't Stevens. It wasn't Roddy. It wasn't Thistlewood. It uh, wasn't Kendall Moore. They had a guy, John Tanjay, who hit some pretty timely shots this year. He could be pretty good, man. He's 
he's one of those guys where like, if you watch CSU a lot, you see the explosiveness, you see his ability to get to the rim. He's one of their most consistent jump shooters. I'm really glad at least, I mean, knock on wood, things can change really quickly, but I'm glad that he's sticking around town because I think he's one of those really valuable bench guys that like every good mid-major team that makes in a makes a tournament run kind of needs. You know what I mean? They need that that six man to to come in and just step up in, in random times. Yeah, and you know, talking about the, you know, Colorado State only losing one guy to the portal, that's kind of an interesting thing because obviously John Tanjay, like you said, sticking around for now, hopefully he ends up saying. But I did. I have mentioned this a few other podcasts and a few radio shows. I've had questions from interviewers about, well, what do you think about mid-major teams and the transfer portal? Don't you think they just get destroyed by it? And I'm like, no, not all of them. I mean, look at Colorado State. They were a borderline tournament team last year. Their two best players are going to be future pros. I mean, I think Stevens is an NBA guy. We'll see. I think Roddy's definitely an NBA player. But so let's just say at very worst, they have two guys that will appear in NBA games in some capacity. They could play at Kentucky tomorrow if they wanted to. But Nico Medved was able to build a culture, keep the guys around, and they're going to be a really good team next season. It's not all mid-major teams. And even if you have a culture, maybe you'll still lose guys. But having a culture that's committed to winning, that helps the cause quite a bit. Well, that's kind of like the difference between what CSU has been building and, you know, what teams like UNLV and New Mexico have done over the last five years, you know, kind of like what we were just talking about. They've added a lot of talented players over the years, but they haven't added the right guys. And that's what this, you know, Nico Medved and, and Ali Rokmanesh, J.R. Blunt, Dave Thorson, obviously J.R. And, and Dave have since moved on to P5 opportunities. But I think they just deserve a ton of credit for like, one, being able to bring these guys out because, you know, Roddy had offers from, Minnesota, Nebraska, like he could have gone and played in the Big Ten, but two, just getting them to, to play together, to buy into it, it's it's rare, but I think we're we're seeing, you know, instances where when you can get it, you can really be dangerous. Like you look at some of these teams that made upsets in the in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year. A lot of those teams, you know, like those were good mid-major programs. I made some decent money betting on them just because like other people are are looking at somebody like UCSB and you know Dracory McLaughlin. They're like, who the hell is this guy? I'm like that's the best yeah. guy on the floor. You just haven't been watching. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully you uh, bet some money on Oral Roberts if you uh, followed my tweets then. But, oh, I know. did. I did. And okay. I shout there out you because you're the only person. Sean Paul, the only person I saw like like a week before the tournament saying Oral Roberts was going to upset Ohio State. Mad props. Yeah, we c- we could ignore my win through for the Sweet 16 pick, but we could, we could <laughs> give props to my uh, Oral Roberts pick too. I, I celebrate the wins, ignore the L's, yeah. man. Like NCAA yeah, tournament's I mean, a shit show. I I've honestly never gotten the NCAA tournament uh, champion right in my bracket. I had Gonzaga this year. I thought this was the year. It was God, not me the year. too, man. Like it's so brutal. Like I doubled I, down know, on them Michigan so many years times ago. too. <sighs> yeah, I had Michigan a few years ago, and they lost to Villanova. I thought that might be the year, but no, I, I it just might never happen. It might not ever happen <laughs> at this point. I did get Nova over Michigan. That was like one of the few I got right. And I think I got Kansas in like 08 when they won. But that was like the weird year when it was four one seeds. And I'm pretty sure I just went with like chalk and got lucky. But um, I'm, I'm going to pivot back to some of the other some of the other coaching hires because I wanted to ask you about Tim Miles because that's obviously a name that's very popular with CSU fans you know, built CSU from the ground up before he went to Nebraska. I think 
10 miles at San Jose State is as good of a hire as anywhere in the country. Yeah, I think it's an incredible hire. Nebraska fans are super critical of him for some reason. Uh, you know, it's Nebraska who's uh, consistently the worst team in the Big Ten. So, like, it's no disrespect to Nebraska, job. but, like, what do you expect out of the guy? He brought you to one tournament, brought you to an NIT, and gets fired. Like, I, I you know, it's not a pro – like, the Fred Hoiberg experiment isn't going great either. So, you know, it's just a tough job. I think Tim Miles is a great coach. He's already brought some solid talent into San Jose, like Brandon Knapper from EKU. He got Sean Robinson, a former three-star from Ole Miss yesterday. He's bringing talent into the program. I think over time, they're going to go from, you know, the bottom of the conference to middle to upper half because Tim Miles knows how to recruit. He knows how to find talent. And he seems like I haven't met him personally. I haven't really spoken to him. But he seems like a super cool and genuine guy. And that's going to go far with recruits for sure. And the thing is, like, deceptively, San Jose State, I mean, you get you get to recruit people to San Jose. They've had some talented guys come through there over there. It's like the, you know, mm-hmm. Ryan Wheelage and, um, oh, my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the, the guy who went Brandon on Gonzaga. Clark. Brandon Clark, yes, thank you. And then um, Seneca Knight recently, who's now at LSU. Again, like, a lot of really talented guys. They just haven't been able to keep anybody in town. I actually thought Gene Prelo was a, a, a very good basketball coach, and I think – just tough circumstances, but I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really intrigued by Tim miles. Like you said, he's a good dude. He should be able to recruit. And I'm pretty sure San Jose state actually invests more in basketball than like Boise state does. So, you know, if they, if they do it up, right, maybe San Jose state a couple years from now as a tournament team. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I think before the Tim miles era is over, which I think will result in him getting another high major opportunity, not getting fired from San Jose state. Uh, I think you'll definitely have a tournament appearance under his belt for sure. What were your thoughts on the Ryan Odom hire at Utah state? Because I mean, obviously the, the Baltimore, Maryland County head coach first team to ever upset 16 seed to upset a one seed, but I don't, not a lot of regional ties, not a name that I'd really seen floated. It could work out though. I mean, it, you don't necessarily have to have regional ties. It just, it seemed like that hire was kind of out of the blue. Yeah, I like the hire because the other name I had heard floated was Ed Conroy, who's friends with the AD and whatnot, uh, which wouldn't have been a good hire. I just don't think he's uh, suited to be a very good head coach. No disrespect to him. He's a fine assistant. I just don't think hiring a guy just because of relationships is the way to go. But Ryan Odom, I think, is a very good hire. I'm shocked he took him this long. I thought he might have had a shot at the Wake Forest job last year, but Look, this is a guy that's been able to consistently win at UMBC even after the 16 over one victory. They've been they've had a winning record each season since then. They haven't gotten back to the tournament, but they've won a lot of games. And you look at what he's already brought to Utah State. He hauled in Brandon Horvath and uh, RJ Idlerock from UMBC. Brought him with him. I think that's pretty telling that his best two players wanted to come with him. Because that's kind of a like that's the culture he built at UMBC. He gets it, and he got his guys to follow him. You had Ryland Jones from Utah. Uh, I think that they're going to be middle of the pack probably next year. Justin Bean is back too. They might be pretty underrated in the conference, but I think Ryan Odom's a pretty good hire despite not having any real regional ties. I like it. I mean, I think all of the programs as a whole in the Mountain West did a pretty good job of going out and getting, you know quality coaches. They didn't overspend. You saw some rumors about UNLV potentially going for Rick Patino, 
And I would have been all for yeah. that just because it would have been interesting. I, I, I don't know if it would have worked. Ever leaving Iona? Yeah, I think he's going to stay at Iona until he's done. I mean, a lot of people think that's just kind of what he's saying, and it could be. I mean, you never know with Rick Pitino, but I think he's going to stay put. And, you know, he's building Iona into something really good. So, I mean, he can build any program into being a winner. I mean, if you can go to the tournament every year, like, why leave? That's why whenever I see, yeah. you know, people saying, like, Mark Few should you know, leave for Arizona or Mark Few should leave for North Carolina. It's like, why? God, yeah. I mean, he's going to have like, he's going to have a arena named after him. He's going to have a street named after him in Spokane, Washington. Why would you leave that? I mean, he's the king of Spokane, Washington. There's no reason to leave what you've already established. You're leaving for a worse program right now. I mean, that's not something that pretty much anybody would do. I mean, in some ways, I kind of felt that way about Dutcher when his name was floated with Minnesota. And again, Minnesota is a, a really good job, especially in the Big Ten. But I was like, I mean, why leave what you've already established at San Diego State? You're basically a perennial team. You recruit top 50 players there. Like, that's an awesome gig. I think, you know, over a five-year span, you're much more likely to make more tournaments at San Diego State than you are at Minnesota just because the level of talent that you have to play in, in conference play. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think Dutcher is probably in for the long haul. I think if he's going to leave, it would have been for Minnesota. And we also saw Nico Medved's name kind of in that mix, too. I think both those guys could be, you know, staying in the Mountain West for a while because grass isn't always greener on the other side. I think that's a saying. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it depends what the pay looks like. But, you know, if you can keep building what you already built at your current program, why would you go to a program that's a complete disaster like Minnesota? I mean, they lost everybody. They have one returning player to their roster from last year, and who knows if he's even going to come back. So, you know, it's hard to rebuild a program like that in the toughest conference in the country. I mean, pretty, pretty Miles brutal. Found it out, man. Like, he, he left a situation at CSU where he was, you know, going fast second tournament appearance and is got the Nebraska gig and – I mean, he did a pretty good job there, all things considered, like we said. Yeah. Um, but it's just not al- not always greener. Like you said, um, Ryan Odom, Tim Miles, Patino, Kevin Kruger, out of those four, who do you see being most successful this upcoming season? Uh, Kevin Kruger, probably. I think they're the only one with a real, like, any chance to make the tournament. I don't think it's a super high chance. Like, I'll say, like, 5% they make the NCAA tournament. I think they make the NIT. But all things considered, that's a pretty solid win for UNLV to make the NIT in the first year of a new tenure, especially with how the past few years have went with Marvin Menzies and the TJ Osselberger experiment not going great. I think that if Kevin Kruger is able to get them in the NIT year one and build positive momentum for the future, I think that's a big time win. Agreed. I will say it's it's kind of funny, and, and I was talking about this with Eli Becker when I had him on my podcast it cracked me up that Otzelberger, like all of these Mountain West coaches, people were talking about, and obviously Craig Smith ended up getting the Utah job, but you know, between him and Medved and, and Dutcher, Otzelberger ends up being the first coach that gets poached. And I, on my rankings, he would have been like the sixth or seventh best coach in the entire league. Yeah. I honestly don't know how I feel about Otzelberger as a coach. Like I thought he was a good hire for UNLV. You know, Mike Dom was incredible at South Dakota State, along with David Jenkins, who followed him to UNLV. But, you know, I was kind of, I thought it was a solid hire. I thought it would work. But in two years, which he only, I mean, it's tough to really judge how a hire went after two years. I don't think it went great because they didn't make a tournament in two years. They didn't make an NIT. 
but obviously COVID canceled one of them. I, they wouldn't have made the NIT anyways, but you know, they showed flashes at times like beating an undefeated San Diego state team, but they just never found consistency. I mean, you look at the start of this past year, losing to Montana state, getting blown out at home by Montana state in your opener. And then, you know, just kind of, I think they lost all the games they played in the uh, Maui invitational. Mm-hmm. And then they went on the road and beat Kansas state who ended up not being completely terrible, but they did lose to uh, Fort Hayes state somewhere in there. So it was just kind of a weird year. They just weren't very good. They kind of got better as the season progressed. But, yeah, I mean, I think, like I said earlier, it was kind of best for both programs, or uh, Otzelberger and UNLV, to kind of just move on. They kind of felt like a team that, at least later in the season, I mean, they were just kind of a mess early, but it just felt like they played to the level of their competition. Like, you would see them play really hard against a team like San Diego State or Nevada and, you know, go toe-to-toe with them. And then, like you said, they lose to Fort Hay State. They get blown out by Montana State. They didn't look particularly impressive in either game in Fort Collins. Like, it was just a weird team, really weird team. They, did, they, beat, uh, they, they beat Utah State, uh, which was pretty shocking to me. But then they lose some questionable games after that. Like, it was just – it was so weird, just inconsistency. Utah State was another weird one. And, again, I think so much so just was – they're so dependent last year on Kata and like him being dominant in the paint. I think they really just lacked, you know, without having Sam Merrill and having that guard that could like kind of create his own shot, they would just go through those five, six minute stretches where they couldn't score. And it was, it was hard to watch, but also fun. Cause I just, I love me Amos Kata. I, I don't know if he's going to be successful in the NBA with his, with his health stuff, but. Mm. He'll get paid somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Utah state last year, I was very impressed by the way that Craig Smith kind of changes coaching philosophy going from a team that took a lot of threes and scored a lot of points to being a team that won with their defense. They were a top five team in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency and they were like 70th the year before, but they were a much worse defensive or offensive team this year. I, Craig Smith knew what he had going into the season. He knew they're going to have to win with Kata and Bean on the offensive end. And he was able to stack defenders and be really successful on that end of the floor. I think CSU fans are going to be seeing Kata swat Roddy in their sleep for like the next 20 years <laughs> after that Mountain West yeah, tournament I game. Mean, My God. That, that was, that was impressive for sure. That was one of those where even like as a CSU guy, you just have to sit back and be, and just laugh and be impressed. You know what I mean? Like you can't even be upset about just that is an incredible basketball player doing incredible things right now. Yeah. I definitely wish he, uh, you know, I wouldn't have hated to see him come back and, you know, maybe get, return to Utah State or transfer to a high major program because I think he could have killed it anywhere in the country. But, you know, hopefully he, he's able to stay healthy. His uh, knee or whatever has plagued him in the past stays healthy. And hopefully he's able to carve out a pretty long NBA career. Big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card from Nate Diaz to Michael Chandler. There will be no shortage of action, and DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight with 100 to 1 odds. One fighter will be walking away with the belt, you will be walking away with cash. Just pick one main event fighter that you think will win, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right, if you bet $1 on select fighters and they win, you win 100 bucks. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is, with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if the MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, baseball, so much more. 
DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code DNVR when you sign up for your chance to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main cart fighter to win. Just place your bet, watch the fist fly this weekend. Again, make sure you, you use that code DNVR to turn $1 into $100 on select main cart fighters by limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only, restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I also want to shout out Solace Meds. That's right, we have partnered with a premier dispensary for you guys to get smoking hot deals with. Solace Meds has four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one just blocks away from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. Solace has some banging deals this month. Here's a few to look forward to. For Cinco de Mayo, you can get buy three, get one free on the entire store plus an additional 20% off when using the code DNVR20 at checkout. That is a killer deal. They got 20% off all Glacier Concentrates, 20% off Mile High Extractions, 20% off CBD gummies, all kinds of great stuff. They also got sales for Memorial Day. Buy three, get one free the entire store. Mother's Day as well. Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. Head over to their website, view their menu, order online, and pick up at your convenience. That's S-O-L-A-C-E meds.com. Just purchase from there. And again, use that code DNVR20 to save 20% on your entire purchase. The last like general Mountain West question I wanted to ask you is, who do you feel like the biggest sleeper going in next year? Who's a team that nobody's talking about that you could see being pretty good. For a while, I thought it was going to be Wyoming. Now that they lost Marcus Williams, I don't, and, and Quan Marble, I don't feel the same way. But who's a who's a sleeper in your opinion? You know, I'm actually going to go with that answer. I, I think Wyoming, even more so now without Marcus Williams, I feel like people are kind of just forgot about them completely and thrown them back at the bottom of the conference. But I don't think, you know, we should completely do that yet. I think Jeff Linder is a really good head coach. He returns Xavier Ducell, who I think could be one of the breakout stars in the conference. Hunter Maldonado's back. Drake Jeffries is back. Kenny Foster is back. And then you add a really good Juco guard that I like uh, from Salt Lake Community College, or uh, no, College of Southern Idaho, uh, Dane Dutt. He's a six foot four point guard, really good passer, athletic. He can shoot the ball from outside. I think he's going to be a really good player to watch in the Mountain West this season. And I think he's going to step into Marcus Williams' role pretty seamlessly. I think Wyoming, you know, middle of the pack in the conference probably, but they'll probably be better than most people expect them to be. I mean, I think I even thought they were last year. It's just, it's a deceptively tough place to play in Laramie. You know, it's like 7,200 feet elevation. They've got really passionate fans that support them no matter what. It's And I agree, you know, Linder's a, a tremendous coach, so... I'm I'm interested that you still think that they're going to be pretty good. Maybe I'm going to have to I'm going to have to go back and and give them another shot. I think I might have given up on them a little too soon here. Yeah, I mean, there's still some room to grow in the off season. And uh, forgot to mention Graham Ek. He had a big end of the season, so if he could continue that upwards momentum in the next season, that'd be huge too. You know, Wyoming's biggest rival, obviously CSU. Um, We've talked about it a little bit with Roddy and Stevens, why we're why, you know, you're you're high on them, but 
where is CSU lacking in your opinion? Like what would hold them back from accomplishing what they should accomplish? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say, you know, last year heading into the season, I had them like fourth in the conference. I was like, I don't think their defense is going to be very good once again. So I was, but they were very solid defensive team. So that was impressive. If I had to pick one area that I don't completely trust to be all that great is probably just because I, you know, Deshaun, Deshaun Thomas and James Moores are both very solid, but if they had a guy that was just a step above them and not two guys that are going to split minutes, I think that would be more beneficial to Colorado state. But I think, you know, big men could be the issue there, but I mean, if you needed to, you could slide Roddy at the five, but if your biggest issue is you have two big men splitting minutes like that, uh, and you don't have a real like star one that you can rely on, then that's not a huge issue, I guess. But I think that kind of shows you that Colorado State's a really complete team. I think you nailed it. I mean, they they were in a little bit. They you know offered Cam Martin, the the D two guy that signed with Kansas in the end. Um, obviously, he would have been a phenomenal addition. But I I think the one area that kind of worries me a little bit is just three point shooting. And and actually, when you look at like the numbers as a whole, they were not a bad three point shooting team but they just seem to go cold, like in, in the most important moments. And I just, I don't know. We'll see. They added Baylor, uh, Baylor Hebb, the transfer from Loyola. He's supposedly a pretty good three point shooter, but I just think if they had somebody and, and I, I'm guessing they want it to be Thistlewood, but just somebody other than Isaiah Stevens that can, you know, consistently knock down three to four threes a night. Yeah, I think some of the stuff you mentioned, like end of game situations or just where they need to stay in the game. I think one of the big things about that is just, you know, getting older and getting more experience in college basketball. That's a good point, you know, and and honestly, like I, I try not to judge too much last year as a whole, just because everything was so wonky. They didn't have an off season. They had multiple three week pauses. Like if anything is going to disrupt your rhythm as a jump shooter. It's not being able to be in the gym for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think they'll be fine three point shooting wise, but probably, but that's, that's a good point you brought up. Where do David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens stand in terms of the, the mountain West preseason player of the year contention? Obviously we talked about Grant Sherfield. I think he's a great choice. One of the best uh, scorers in the entire league. But I feel like after what Roddy especially did last year, and obviously we know Stevens is one of the best young point guards in the country, I feel like either of those guys could could be in the mix. Yeah, for sure. I think you can't go wrong with picking between Sherfield or Stevens or Roddy. I think that's one, two, three, however way you want to slice it. I lean Sherfield because I think Nevada is slightly better than Colorado State. And having guys like Roddy and Stevens could hurt each other at the end of the day when it comes to winning a, an award, an individual award, because they're both going, they're both going to score a lot. They're both going to do a lot of things on the floor. But when you, I guess it depends how you look at an individual award. Do you want it to go to the player that impacted the team the most, or do you want it to go to you know the best player on the best team? And if that ends up being Colorado State, then Stevens or Roddy could definitely win it. But if it goes to a player that impacts the team the most, it's probably going to be Sherfield. But, you know, Matt Bradley at San Diego State, the transfer, transfer from Cal, two-time, first-team, all-Pac-12 guy, one of the best scores in the Pac-12 last season. I think he could be in contention for it if San Diego State's good. But I think, you know, that's probably the four that I could see actually winning the award. Maybe Hunter Maldonado. I don't think that uh, Wyoming's good enough, though, for that. 
Agreed. I mean, Maldonado, he's a great player, but I just, I don't think they're going to have enough team success. Outside of Sherfield, why are you so high on Nevada? You know, Desmond Cambridge, he's a very solid scorer, really streaky, but I think he's a good scorer. And last year, they were a super young team that didn't have a ton of expectations, and they definitely, uh, you know, surpassed those expectations. They played to the wire against San Diego State really three times, I guess. I mean, the Mountain West tournament game was kind of close for there for a bit. And then yeah. Trey Pulliam hit that running jumper at the end of the game to beat them during the regular season. The first game was pretty close for a minute there, too. Uh, you add two for, uh, former top 50 recruits with Addison Patterson from Oregon, really good athlete. He's going to be one of the best defenders in the conference. And Will Baker from Texas, neither of those guys played this year. So they had a year to work on their game or find their abilities and just continue working on becoming a better player and getting more uh, you know, established in the college game. I, I like a lot of what they have. I mean, Warren Washington's coming back. He had he had ten and five last year, I believe. Really under the radar player. I just think that Nevada is going to be a really good team because when you have one of the best guards in the country, like Grant Sherfield, and you have a lot of pieces around him that are talented, I think the rest will play itself out. Well, Sean, it's it's been great having you on this podcast. I'm definitely going to try and get you on again because it's clear that you know more about the Mountain West than just about anybody that I could bring on here, which, you know, when you're, when you're a Mountain West fan, you get it. Like they, they never get the national love that they deserve, but it is what it is. I am going to put you on the spot. I love though. the Mountain West. Yeah. Who wins the Mountain West next year? Nevada. I'll, I'll stick with my original pick that I've had since the season ended. And I'll say Nevada, but Hey, Colorado state fans, I would not be surprised if you wanted either. So it should one be of those two, but I'll lean to better. Yeah. I love it. You got to be honest. We're, we're bringing you on. You're keeping to your integrity. You're not pandering to the audience. I respect it. Yep. <laughs> all right, Sean, man, take care. Make sure you go check out all of his work. Um, Makingthemadness.com, Mountain West Wire. Am I missing anything else? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean02MTM. That's where you'll find the... Uh, all my tweets so definitely follow me on twitter peaches out of palisades sweet as mama's marmalade this shit sound like summer days the windows down on harmony the family band sing harmonies my daddy played the drums my mama slapped that bass my sister sang these songs dancing under canopies we thank the trees for all their leaves we are just some drops of water together make up seven seas and one day i'll be like my father one day i will learn to breathe i'm choking on the thought that i am not the man i want to be